probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome back to the Thing Minute podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me again today is... My name is Jenny Law, and I am a librarian. If I were to have to date one of the characters in this movie, I would probably date Windows. Windows. Oh, wow. I guess right. right. But... That was a newly I would hate myself right for it and really wish that I had gone with um, T.K. Carter. <laughs> yeah. Which I can't remember his name in the movie. Sorry. Uh, my, I'm her husband, Liam Grove, and I don't resemble either of those people, but I have ridden in a helicopter. <laughs> who would you date? Who would I? Oh, Brimley. You kidding me? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, his, his big bare arms wrapping me up. Yeah. Comforting. There you go. He knows how to skin a deer. Yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of useful skills. I could see that. I mean, oh, if yeah. you're going for, for function over form, definitely Brimley. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has that tattooed on his chest, <laughs> function over form. Uh, but you know, you know, Brimley makes a mean red eye gravy. That's all I gotta say. Oh. Over a campfire. Yeah. yeah. I'll, bet. I'll bet. I'm still not gonna switch. I'm still not gonna switch over. But I get what you're saying. Anything, anything cooked on the trail with Wilford Brimley would is. I'm sorry. I gotta. I would leave. Well, you, he strongly. Resembles, I would leave you today. He, he strongly, me. strongly resembles me. So I get it. <laughs> <laughs> So it okay. all makes sense. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the gray sideburns you have, I think. I do That's like what really pulls it together. I fluff them up. <laughs> so uh, today we're talking about a minute that is almost devoid of Wilford Brimley, unfortunately. I think we get a, a very tiny bit of him at the end here. But uh, uh, we're talking about minute 23 of The Thing, where we end the, uh, the cliffhanger from yesterday's episode and uh, getting that McCready was asking for a shovel, which is not as exciting as some of the other things he could have been asking for, but I'll take it. Not what I would have guessed. <laughs> and uh, it goes a minute later all the way to them unveiling the body of uh, Mr. Doubleface slash Melty Steamy, Mr. Melty Steamy, to the group. We get just just that unveiling shot, which is pretty awesome. This is one that involves a lot of helicopter flying around, which uh, this movie has a lot of in the beginning. Had to come up with lots of reasons to talk uh, talk about interesting helicopter uh, cinematography, <laughs> but uh, there's also some other uh, other great things uh, going on here. In particular, I think the main interesting thing going on here is the great cutting back and forth between the helicopter landing and the dog watching the helicopter land. Yes, yes, yes. Great yes. dog acting. So, but for for um, going back for just a moment, sure. I'm a little kind of gadget blind sometimes in movies. So it really could just be a this... shovel is a thing you use. No, to no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, it could, uh, like the helicopter footage could just be the same helicopter footage, the whole damn movie. I wouldn't really register it. Probably. Some of it's at night. Yeah. But it just doesn't, it's all just like, it's a helicopter. All right. So if there are nuances, I want you guys to feel free <laughs> to talk about them, but I am not. Just because I've ridden in a helicopter doesn't mean I'm, really up on helicopter nuance 
I'm just saying I can't contribute to that, but I, I hope that you guys can run with it. I do <laughs> want to talk about the dog because, of course, the dog is gorgeous. The dog is beautiful. And by that, you mean sexually attractive. No, don't be gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful dog. But I had this realization when we watched this for the podcast. Do you think at this point that the thing has taken over the dog to the point where it's mostly thing? Or do you think that the dog is still in there and it's kind of still, it's like half and half? Yeah. I mean, I I think that brings up one of the bigger questions. This is something that, you know, is always worth discussing in this movie is just how the thing actually works because it's, it's so unclear and they leave it so open to interpretation, whether it does just kind of, you know, take over your body and turn into you or whether it absorbs you and then creates a new body or whether it can take you over slowly. Like, um, you know, you could probably, uh, you could probably most easily make an argument that Norris kind of proves that, that it can mm-hmm. take you over slowly. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a very good question. What, what do you guys think? I think it's all thing from frame one. Obviously it has imitated not only the appearance, but the behavior of a dog, but it's the movie's far more sinister to me. If, if it knows what it's doing and it's not just a dog that is 30% thing, that's going to, you know, I don't know, just wait until the right moment. And then the thing's going to come out. I think it's hundred percent thing the whole time. Well, in that case, because I, I'm still not really sure what I think if it's, if it's all part you know, if it's just a seed, that kind of thing. Just one paw? Yeah, I mean, just like a little seed in its brain. Okay, so if there's just like a seed of the thing and it's starting to reach out its tentacles and grow inside, you know, I'm not sure if I've decided yet. But I do think it's really interesting to think about whatever part of the thing that's present in the dog it, and it's watching the helicopter. Mm-hmm. And it's watching the Mr. Melty see me being taken off the helicopter. Mm. it's to me it's such an amazing moment because he could be watching it as a proud parent (laughs) (laughs) okay he could be watching it as look at the discretion destruction i wrought also proud Mm. or it could be a sad moment where he sees part of himself or herself part of itself dead and yeah. there's something oh. so there's something so solemn about the dog. It's just there's so many ways that to me that that could be read. You can read a lot into that dog's face. Yeah, that's definitely. True. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never thought about that in any context aside from just that the dog <coughs> is is knows that it's like now that it's now at risk of being under suspicion because they've kind of discovered the dirty secret back at the base kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it oh, is... Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's the okay. way I've kind of always looked at it. I never really even thought about it a different way. Just um, just that, yeah, it's staring at it because it knows, like, uh, like oh, shit, the jig might be up. Like, they're, they might mm-hmm. be starting to figure out what's actually going on. But, yeah, I, it, it's interesting. You could probably do some cut-ups with this, like the whole, um, I think it's, what is it called? The Kulshav effect where, you know, it's just the same picture, but with something different cut in the middle right. between it every time. You could probably make some interesting stuff with this dog looking at all kinds of things <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and reading lots of stuff in his face because this dog is such a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. Show that dog some ET porn. No, let's not go back there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I always looked at it as he's, the dog is looking out the window to the helicopter landing and it's, he, the, it's just like, Hmm, more humans. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I guess he's already seen everybody 
when he first showed up at camp. So these aren't new people to him, but I, I saw it as a kind of a hungry look. Hmm. I could see that too. Yeah. Um, I think it's possible that this all, all of the things that we've said. Yeah. It was a very complex piece, a very complex performance. The dog is so awesome. Uh, again, on the, on the commentary, there's a whole sequence where Carpenter talks about what a great actor the dog that they had for most of the shoot was that he was so well trained to completely ignore the camera. Yeah. So they, they could track right in front of the dog. There's that long hallway shot where the dog goes from room to room and stops and everything. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the camera pulls back and dollies away from the dog and then follows the dog into the other room. And the dog never once glances at the camera at nothing and will hit its mark every single time. And, you know, they only did like three takes of that whole hallway walk down and it's great. And the, the, the motionlessness of that dog in this minute, of uh, and just that the way its eyes are locked, it's it's fantastic. I don't know how if huskies are just like that or yeah. And it's it's even more impressive once you know that the the dog is half wolf, so it's not even like a totally domesticated animal. So mm. it's, it's incredible that they were able to do it. And it's that's again, it's another thing that's kind of a, a credit to John Carpenter that he stuck to it because it's so easily they could have found a different way to do those shots or just you know cut little pieces together to make it look like he's walking out the hallway or, or, you know, in, in this scene, I, I can't be a hundred percent sure, but I don't think it's like the exact same shot of the dog. Every time they cut to it, it does seem like it's, you know, a continuous shot that they're cutting away and cutting back to maybe. Um, yeah. And, and it's long. He holds on the dog for yeah. longer than normal. Um, and it's just absolutely, it, the dog is a rock. It's motionless. Well, I think, I think a lot of times, and I, I have no, expertise to base this on or actual experience to base this on. But it seems to me from watching so many movies and, you know, having animals featured, if there's a close up or like a moment of stillness, it is something that's locked on the animal's face. Yeah. Yeah, you know? that's true. And it's just like a close up and you get the perspective of looking directly at the full face. Mm. Um, so that's something that strikes me so much about, about this shot, these I, shots. I, yeah, and I like that there are there's two shots of of the dog, you know, staring at the helicopter. One is the the first one was through the window, but it's and it's over the dog's shoulder, mm -hmm. and, or an, an over the haunch shot, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and then you get the us looking straight at the at the dog's face, but um, the one where you actually don't see the dog's face, uh, the, the over the shoulder shot, I think is a, is a bit more sinister, um, especially if you. Like I said, if you're looking at it as he's hungry that there are more people showing up. <laughs> I think I think that I, I want to talk about that a little bit more because I think that gets into a bigger question about the movie. Is the thing con, is the thing consuming people because you're saying, oh, more humans to eat, more humans to consume. Or is the the thing destroying them or is it a mixture of the bo of both? Well, it's I think it is a mixture of both because it's this is clearly its reproductive cycle. Right. But it's also it is consuming them mm -hmm. when you see um, in the dog kennel. And then I forget which guy it is. But um, when they find him, the guy that's been left alone with the body and they come back and he's just like a mass of tentacles that's yeah. being eaten or whatever. So it is consuming them. So I, there is eating and hunger there involved in that. But um, yeah, I really don't know. He could just be trying to say hello, like you said before. <laughs>
Yeah, you could be misinterpreting this whole thing. <laughs> it, it is interesting because in the um, in the novella that it's based on, they're much more specific about like the amount of body mass that the thing has. Like it starts with as as just the size of a dog, and it can't morph into anything bigger than that. So it has to oh. consume a person to be able to like take on more body mass. Oh wow! Um, has so, T one thousand rules, right? <laughs> so obviously they don't go into any of that here. It's just very. It's left kind of up to the imagination, but. Um, I think that I think that kind of rule of thumb works because otherwise you you get into the idea of like why doesn't it just morph into you know uh, something that can fly away you know or something like that like it has to it actually has to consume and turn into what it eats kind of thing it can't just you know turn into anything or, or turn into something bigger than it actually is. But it already had a bunch of Norwegians. Oh, that's a good, <laughs> yeah. that's a good he point. He already had a bunch of Norwegians. Well, I mean, it, it filled it, up on Norwegians on the way over. Yeah, yeah I mean, it had it, a big plate of Norwegians. So it had humans. It had humans. Yeah, I, I don't remember from the prequel, and and I'm, I'm perfectly okay with ignoring it and just making my own theory. <laughs> that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, maybe it's something like, uh, you know, that this is not the same thing that that did that like that all the the rest of it got destroyed or or you know or whatever this is just like one small part of it that survived in the dog and and that's all that's left at this point or something that's true i mean why wouldn't it have been easier for it to just walk into camp as a norwegian right but maybe not i mean maybe it is easier it knew it was easier to blend in as a dog i mean think about the how much suspicion and violence happens once they think that each other are infected. Yeah. Right. Right. So a strange Norwegian coming into camp, they can't speak the same language. I mean, I'm assuming they can't speak the same language. That's a lot for it to know though. And I mean, and so coming in as man's best friend, not having to speak a certain language, not having to have human body language that would be possibly suspicious. I think that, in the Norwegian camp, the thing must have read some Jack London novels <laughs> and known that uh, humans and dogs get along well and that it, that we would instinctively take care of it if it showed up as a husky. It's possible. But I don't know if Jack London has ever been translated into Norwegian. I'm sure he Or has. even Norwegian gibberish. I'm sure <laughs> that it's uh, – he's – He's widely read and and renowned and beloved, right? So, and that's a, that's a Nordic climb. I feel like they would all read Jack London all the time. I'm, I, I apologize. And we're making the, wild generalizations people. about about <laughs> oh, our Norwegian listeners. I, I just assumed that at the beginning of every episode, you issued an apology to all Norwegians. Uh, maybe <laughs> we should actually do that specifically. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah, this movie. Uh, there's actually a um, a part when. Um, in in one of the later minutes that I wanted to bring up, just how to, how kind of like disrespectful this whole movie is <laughs> to Norwegian culture and, and the Norwegian yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. It's very kind of odd. Is it when they're when they're watching the video? No, 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 no. It's it's during during the autopsy and they're talking about the body, just the way they talk about it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to to me, I, I've always, I guess, I've always thought about it in a, in a um, way that like the 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 thing turned into a dog at the Norwegian camp because. A, because maybe it knew that that was, or maybe it was weakened, like it could only turn into something smaller, or also it might have somehow known that the dog could make it across the snow where a person maybe couldn't on their own. That's what I thought of too. Yeah, it'd be a lot harder for a a man to walk from one place to the other. Yeah. It'd be easier to get away as a dog. 
But yeah, I mean, this whole first half of the movie, when you don't really, as you're starting to kind of see that the dog is kind of the key to what's going on, it, it does seem like at this point in the movie, the dog's in kind of defense mode, like trying to, it doesn't, it's not trying to take people over necessarily. It's trying to survive at this point and watching for its, its time to, to strike, um, which is, which is pretty interesting. And I think this, this scene in particular is the first time when that's like, a hundred percent sure like you know you've seen there's been some kind of fishy scenes of the dog like poking around the base and walking into the room with the shadow and that kind of thing but this is the first time when you're like okay i'm a hundred percent sure that this dog is like smarter than it looks and knows more than i do exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, been, we've been told to be suspicious of it definitely but now we can assign some malevolence to it i yeah. think yeah mm-hmm. um uh, on the subject of w- what form it took to move from one camp to another, uh, a good question I think that the young Edward Furlong brings up um, in T2 is why doesn't it just turn into a bomb and blow us all up? But, it, you know, clearly if you're going by T-1000 rules, it can only transform into knives and stabbing weapons. Also, I mean, <laughs> I think I think that there is possibly something about the thing, not t- the Terminator, but the thing that enjoys inflicting pain and causing mayhem and violence. Oh my God. Definitely a possibility. I think that's on you, Jenny. (laughs) I think, I think, (laughs) I think you just turned this into something about you. I was not, I'm not projecting. (laughs) So I'm just going to sit over here and play with my sideburns. I I should point out that Jenny is allergic to dogs, so she might hate all dog kind. No, I love dogs, and it makes me very sad that I cannot. So that's why you you wouldn't date Clark. Well, that's what I was expecting. (laughs) Yeah, because he stinks of dog. Yeah, I mean, thick husky dog fur all over him. I mean, he think he probably like yeah, he probably sleeps with them, eats eats with them. He's a dog person. How long were you alone with that dog? (laughs) (laughs) well my dog growing up i actually believed that i taught her how to communicate with me (laughs) i was this in some kind of paw tap language no it was i must i must have been like seven or eight and i was convinced that i could get her to answer questions by blinking (laughs) her eyes fantastic so no no no. i'm i would say we're both only children i don't know (laughs) So I would say, Holly, are you, because she was pregnant, I think, at the time when I devised this, I was like, are you going to have Did the dog tell you she was two pregnant? puppies? No, we already knew. <laughs> she was she was bulging. Um, I said, are, are, if you're going to have two puppies, I want you to blink your right eye <laughs> twice. That's and she totally did it. Very specific. <laughs> yes. Well, was it true? Yes. Oh, I was I, I was thinking you were going to say that the dog had three puppies, and then you determined that your dog was super intelligent and also a really good liar, or just a, <laughs> or just a jerk. Not just only like, can the dog communicate, it can lie. Like just a jerk. <laughs> like she was just a jerk. No, I mean it was really funny. Like I don't know, it was just a funny thing. And you know, I mean, I've all, everyone's had those moments where you're like, oh, my cat waved at me, and you know your cat didn't wave at you, but like, um, yeah. but. I swear to God, at least maybe it was the magic of childhood. Maybe I was inhaling some mold fumes I didn't know about where I was living. I don't know. But I swear to God, we would communicate with each other um, in that way. This is going to sound off topic, but it's actually on topic. And I'm going to make it loop back around. And you're very proud of me. 
I had a dog uh, for a long time named Farley uh, that was a, uh, a treeing walker hound. These like big duck hunting dogs with floppy ears, but not like a um, what do you call those things? Not like a basset hound, like a big, tall basset hound. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was a large dog. And um, we were down visiting my uh, mother and her uh, her neighbors got uh, like some kind of bull mastiff dog with that was like its face was as big around as like a recline like a reclining chair like a lazy boy <laughs> it was just like it was a lion of a dog and my friendly dog went over to go say hi and it just like galumphing over and this dog's name was Zeus the the giant dog <laughs> picked up Farley by the scruff of the neck and threw Farley across the yard oh Farley God. ran into the house and did not come out for 2 months because he was terrified of Zeus. And when he, um, every morning when my mom left to go to work, he would jump up on my mom's bed and look out the window at Zeus's house. (laughs) And very much like the dog in this minute of the movie, would just stare and just like whimper to himself, just, <laughs> like you could tell in dog language, he was going, "That son of a bitch! I'm gonna get that son of a bitch!" <laughs> but it was he just locked eyes on where Zeus lived just for months. Hmm. So, based on both of y'all's experiences with super intelligent dogs, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to take a guess and and maybe wonder if each of you saw this movie when you were pretty young, and maybe it left an impression on you that you uh, you know personified your dogs in such a such a way (laughs) this was that was not a direct uh, me personifying (laughs) my dog was not related to this because i was kind of a wimp and actually did not get into horror movies like really heavily until i would say late high school early college so i think mine was just fueled by imagination and wishful thinking (laughs) And the fact that my dog was one of my closest friends, which isn't sad. That's no. not sad. Why would you think that's sad? <laughs> yeah, the fact that you have to qualify it might be <laughs> right. <laughs> if you have to say it, it kind of is sad. Um, no, I never thought my dog was um, an alien monster that was waiting to uh, digest and regurgitate a copy of me. Um, but maybe that's because I wasn't that imaginative. Now who's naive? <laughs> yeah, right. You'll notice we don't have a dog now, Jenny. Because I'm allergic. Mm, that's why. Mm-hmm. When so, did you see this movie first? Yeah, that's what I was um, going to ask. Well, I saw it, like, I saw it I, in college, and um, I saw it on Laserdisc, like I said, oh, yeah, in the yeah, college yeah. music libra- music and media library. I must have been about 18 or 19. So okay. you watched it in the library? Yeah, yeah. This was not when I was on staff, and it was the university library, so... I think it was, I think it was 24 hours. I think it might still be 24 hours. I'm not sure, but it was very well lit. Now the laser desk players were in the back of the room because they weren't used all that much. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, no. the portable video units were much more popular. <laughs> right. Were there hipsters in the late nineties? Um, Certainly. Sure. But I think they were just like dads wearing pork pie hats, right? Well, it was <laughs> like just, actual dads. It was just people using the technology that was available at the time. So they weren't really into retro things. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it was it was later for me. Yeah. I saw it a bunch on um just like afternoon TV matinees and I swear I think, you know, channel 46 um, in Atlanta, I think they only had like five movies and they just showed the same five ones every afternoon because I remember watching uh, this 
uh, the Fly uh, Troll One, uh, the June Lockhart Sonny Bono Troll. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, dozens, Fantastic. dozens of times. Fantastic. They were on every Sunday afternoon. I th- uh, Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter. How the hell uh, are they showing these movies? How much did they? Well, Friday them? the Thirteenth was cut to shit, but surprisingly, you don't have to cut a lot out of the thing. That's true. You can show pretty much this whole movie, you know, on afternoon television. Why you want? Why you'd want to and scare the shit out of everyone? I have no idea. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just remember even it's this. It sucks you in to its own atmosphere very, very quickly. So that even when it's cut up with mattress commercials and you're watching it in the afternoon of the ninety degree, you know, Georgia summer afternoon heat, you you feel isolated and cold watching yeah. this movie. You can't escape it. Yeah, it's it's very, very uh, you know, enveloping in that way. Where I grew up, uh, we we just saw Mr. Mom a lot. And, and Overboard. <laughs> no, Overboard wasn't in the rotation. It was just mostly Mr. Mom. <laughs> and Baby Boom. Baby Boom. Baby Boom, yeah. Yeah. Baby Boom and Mr. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it is, it's interesting to hear. I'm, I'm finding out that nearly all of uh, the people who've been on the show so far saw it on TV the first time, which is very appropriate because that's how, that's how this movie kind of – Got, came back into being what it is now. This you know this cult movie that's really recognized as being the masterpiece that it is. Um, so it did, uh, we've mentioned how poorly it did in theaters, but yeah, it's it syndicated. Even though it is, I haven't watched the. Um, they have the TV cut on the Blu-ray. That's like the mm-hmm. one thing on there I haven't watched the entire thing of. Although mm. I've, I've flipped through a few parts just to see how they cut it up, um, and and to see what kind of uh, interesting language they use to dub over uh, in a couple spots. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. What I mean, can you show? I mean, are there visual things that are cut out? Yeah, I think. I mean, they cut out a lot of the just kind of a lot of the gory transformation stuff. They kind of um, they just chop out bits and pieces. So I think it's mostly they cut it so they're just shorter. Um, okay. So some yeah. of the prolonged stuff is not is not so uh, so much shown. But yeah, I mean, I think it's mostly language, and it's just cut down. It's a lot shorter um, than the full length, the re- real movie. Sure, um, but. <clears throat> Yeah, it's uh, there's two there's two fucks. There's you got to be fucking kidding when the spider head walks away, and then yeah, fuck you too at the end when he blows it up. There's a couple of a couple of voodoo bullshits. (laughs) 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 I can't wait to watch that on the TV version. See how they how how Keith David dubs that over. Yeah, are both the um are both the fucks? Do you see the person's face when they're saying them? Yes, I I think so. Yeah. Okay, I couldn't place it because that you know it's easy to fudge if you don't see the. The mouth moving. Yeah, that's true. Oh, fart! Greatest <laughs> fart gr- you. Greatest TV edit ever is uh, Scarface. I don't know if you've ever watched. The, the no, things. I've never seen the tar- uh, whole. The there's a whole documentary on the DVD of Scarface about what they had to do to make that movie <laughs> even remotely television playable. Is it just five minutes? The five minutes where he's standing on the dock. No, that's they, the whole movie. They had them TV. record other lines. <laughs> um, the the whole cast, but uh, the best one ever is he when they're in the um. He's about to stick his tongue out to the girl at the at the pool, and he says, "This whole town is like one big pussy waiting to get fucked." They dub that over with, "This town is like one big chicken waiting to get plucked." Okay, okay. Uh, see, that is genius. See, I think there there's a documentary somewhere in there about the people who write these lines for like the TBS yeah. versions. Yeah. I um I grew up watching Dumb and Dumber on TBS like five <laughs> times a week, and we used to constantly quote that um. Uh, near the end of the movie when he says right on my ass they change it in the tbs version i no joke they change it to right on my sandwich <laughs> it's like in what universe does that make any sense <laughs> that's like 
Tommy Wiseau wrote that line. <laughs> that's wow. That's wow. That's like that's, a whole yeah, other level. Rhyme. It doesn't. It's not the same. I love the one in, in, in uh, RoboCop where uh, Miguel Ferrer uh, is in the bathroom and he doesn't realize his boss is in the next stall. And he, his boss comes up behind him and he goes, yeah, I used to say bad things about my boss, too. Once I even called him asshole. And they overdubbed asshole with a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, uh, this is very funny, but I wanted to talk more about the movie. Um, <laughs> no, that'll add. To. Thank you for the qualifier. Again. I appreciate that. Um, so why do you think they thought it was a good idea to bring this thing back to the base? Yeah, big question. Yeah, it's like obviously the got to get a shovel, got to get a blanket, got to go in the helicopter. Obviously, Schmergsdorf Station has been completely destroyed. There's death. There's blood. There's odd scratches. There's, there's odd the holes. Wall. There's axe in the wall. There's a burn pile of anatomical rubble. Why would you think that you should bring it back to your base? Well, because they have a computer program that will show you what <laughs> cells do when That's true. <laughs> they know they've got this amazing technology, yeah. pixel by pixel, that will show you. Well, and you also have Wilford Brimley who will just cut it open, stick his hand in. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean he'll just get right up so, in there. Yeah. Um, just just start exploring. Yeah, I mean, I guess I get why. Um, I guess I get why they want to bring it back just for because I guess the whole reason they go to the Norwegian base in the first place is a to just see if see if anybody's alive there, I guess, but also to kind of figure out what happened. And they don't get any answers when they're actually at the base. It's it's still kind of a total mystery. But what I do find odd is that McCready is the one who wants to dig it up and bring it back because he seems like he wants no part of this whatsoever aside from mm-hmm. that part it seems like copper should be the one who's like we need to bring this back to study it like this is a major you know this could be some kind of major discovery or something right mm-hmm. so that yeah is it, is, it is out of character for him to um do any investigating yeah especially at the <laughs> beginning of the movie he's just very much like i you know i think he says in, in a little bit uh you know i just want to get back to my shack and get drunk <laughs> right. I've got a bottle of J&B with my name on it, and some of it's going to get poured into my mouth, and some of it's going to get poured into the computer. He wants to drink and brush his hair. Yeah, I mean... I mean, no one can fault him for that. And lose a complete computer chess. Yeah. Because it's a cheating bitch. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's the life he chose. It was fine. <laughs> well, I think Kurt Russell says in the commentary that all these guys clearly have personal problems where they needed to get away from the world. Right. But, uh, but McCready needs to get a little further away than most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some kind of hair related, uh, disaster, uh, a oh, tragedy yeah. in his life that, uh, you know, hair killed his mother or something <laughs> like that. There's <laughs> something happened. He was in an accident. All his hair was singed off. He needed to go away to regrow it. He didn't comb it the, the right way. And he tried to leave his house and it leveled three city blocks. Yeah. Many people died. <laughs> Yeah. And he vowed from that day on, my hair will be perfect yeah. and fluffed and feathered like the wings of a majestic bird at all times. <laughs> <sighs> so, uh, yeah, I think um, I think that more or less covers what happens in, in this minute. So there is one last thing. Yeah. Because the last like two seconds yes. are them unwrapping Mr. Melty Steamy. And... There is an enormous amount of smoke and and or fumes. Oh, it's steam. He's Mr. Steam. Steamy. Yeah, steam. Well, yeah, it's steam. <laughs> He's not Mr. Melty Smoky. He's Mr. Melty Steamy. Okay, I get it. <laughs> I made up the thing and then I misspoke. I we, get it. we play by your rules. Um, oh, my God. Um, so um, and I was thinking back and like, 
I feel like the steam slash fog slash mist reveal of whatever alien object, I feel like that's a huge thing in the genre. I feel like it's an alien mm. and in gremlins and mm. that's just a huge mark. You know, it's definitely in the fly, Cronenberg's fly. Sure. Um, yeah, that thing pours out with vapor whenever oh, yeah. something goes through it. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think that's just a now a hallmark of of that type of story or well in the 80s it was a very easy way to hide wires on the floor that (laughs) that you would use to operate animatronic monsters oh yeah i I, I wasn't thinking practically i was thinking very philosophically yeah i mean yeah yeah it's you can either put um a bunch of clothes behind the gremlins to hide where the wires are Mm -hmm. or you can just pour a bunch of fog on the floor okay yeah that makes that makes sense (laughs) mystery solved There yeah, you go. It, it definitely in this movie, I think it's, you know, it is meant to be a steamy thing. Like it's like the body's still hot, which is very kind of gross and disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and a little hard to imagine given that it just flew back on this, uh, his long yeah. helicopter ride, but I'll, I'll forgive him for that. Cause it's a great effect. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've actually got some information about the, uh, about the special effects smoke, but I'll, mm. I'll save it for tomorrow when we get like a whole minute of, of smoky or steamy yes. dudes looking at another steamy yes. dude. That's yes, sounds is. great. Can't I, wait. Do, I do love uh, as soon as the helicopter lands that he immediately goes and gets everyone's help. Like I would love to hear that conversation when the helicopter lands. <laughs> hey guys, we're back. I'm gonna need five or six people. We got something really fucked up and ugly looking, but all of you are gonna have to touch it. It's maybe a body, but we're not really sure. So <laughs> yeah, and get everyone's on like. Yeah, please. Where is it? I'm glad to help. It's going to be kind of boring up there. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I'm I'm of the mind that they're (laughs) they're so bored, they're willing to do anything. I mean, hell, earlier, they all run outside when there's a dog there. They're like, holy shit, it's a dog. (laughs) It is either, you know, touch the giant pile of body parts that's in a blanket or watch um, uh, Let's Make a Deal again. (laughs) Yeah. The same episode on tape. On video unit. Yes. (laughs) On portable video unit. That's right. Portable video unit. <laughs> All right, so I think we'll uh, I think we'll wrap this one up so we can get to some some real steamy stuff uh, in tomorrow's minute for sure. It's it's the steamy one, so I think that'll wrap up minute twenty three. But uh, in the meantime, uh, for listeners, if if somehow you've gotten this far and you're not listening in iTunes, you're like just going to the website for every episode or something crazy like that. You can go to iTunes and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. And then, of course, if you do like the show, we'd really appreciate it if you rate and review it in iTunes. That's the best way for the show to reach more listeners and and for more people to find out about it. So we very much appreciate that. But uh, most importantly, don't forget to come back tomorrow for another episode of The Thing Minute. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper, signing out.